You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. And you want some big names for the postseason? We bring them to you on A's Cast Live. How about the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred? How about Chris Russo from MLB Network and also Sirius XM? Matt Vaskersian, he's the voice of Sunday Night Baseball, and he's also MLB Network, and he's a huge A's fan. And then our friend Buster Olney from ESPN. That's what you're getting on this edition of A's Unfiltered. Let's start with the commissioner, Rob Manfred. Rob, it is outstanding to have you once again here on A's Cast Live. And I got to tell you, whenever we talk to Dave Cavill, whenever we talk to David Forrest, whenever we talk to our skipper, Bob Melvin, we just the fact that they've been able to keep this thing going and keep everybody safe. I think for everybody in the sport, what you guys have done from New York, what we have done in New, in uh, Oakland, and what everybody has done in baseball, it's truly amazing we have gotten to this point. It, it, it's under your leadership and all baseball leadership that it's just fabulous that, that what baseball has been able to do this year. So congratulations on that. Well, thank you. You know, I, I think – your comment hits it right on the head. It's been a um, tremendous team effort. Um, uh, obviously, um, a lot of hard work's been done by my folks in New York. Um, but the clubs, you know, and the players, I think we lose sight of the fact that um, we ask players to alter the way they play the game on the field, alter the way they live their personal lives. And, you know, it's been a real sacrifice for them, and they've done a phenomenal job. So um, we feel very fortunate to have gotten this far. And the number one thing is that that, that everybody who, whether it was Oakland or whatever ballpark, is that everybody felt safe, whether it was the players, the coaching staff, the media. Uh, How important was that to you that everybody that showed up knew that they were okay and they were in the correct working environment? Well, you know, it was the number one issue. Um, people feeling safe, comfortable, um, dealing with the health concerns was at the top of our list um, from the very beginning. I know, you know, people always like to ascribe different motivations to things we do, but the the fact of the matter is that was our number one priority throughout, and we wouldn't have been successful if it wasn't. And I think about where we are now in, in, in the season, that we're now in the bubble and we're now in the playoffs. I think you have to be proud the way it's going. The fact that you have it in Southern California, you have it going in Texas. Yeah, the bubble was, I, I think, important um, for us when we got down to, uh, you know, a number of teams that was manageable to put in the bubble. Um, I think given the course of the virus, sort of the recent developments, I think it was really important that we were able to make an agreement with the Players Association to get us into what everybody agrees is the safest possible format. And what we're looking at right now with the athletics and what we have going now at Dodger Stadium, 
and obviously what's going on in Southern California at Petco Park. What was that like dealing with California, making sure that baseball could go in California? You know, um, I will say this across the board. Um, we got uh, tremendous cooperation from state and local um, officials in terms of working with us uh, to make uh, it possible to play baseball. Obviously, you know, different states had different levels of, uh, of the virus, uh, had different approaches to managing the virus. Uh, but overall, um, the states were clear with us as to what we had to do. And, and obviously, we um, complied with what was necessary to allow us to play the games. Um, I think the sites in South, Southern California, uh, both San Diego and Los Angeles, have been great for us. Um, we've had good weather. Um, and, you know, I think people feel safe with the environment that we've created. And one of the great things is the fact that it, it gives us entertainment because, you know, where we are in the Bay Area and, and a lot of parts of California that, you know, we're still not allowed inside restaurants. We're still in what we would call some part of a lockdown. It's been big for us to have baseball and, and to have that entertainment every single day. How important has that been for you, the fact that you could provide that to us on, on an everyday basis? Well, it, it was the driving force for me, but more importantly for the owners um, to, to make the effort undertaken um, to, to play the games, uh, particularly at the point in time that we were making decisions um, on this topic. Uh, there, there was nothing in terms of entertainment, and we felt it was important that we play a role in uh, trying to provide a diversion to people during a very, very difficult time in this country. You know, I think about a lot of the new rules and some people thought, oh, I can't believe we're going to be doing this. We can't be going to be doing that. They basically have all worked. How great has that been for your office that you implemented new things and you're able to do it in a season like this? And really, they all worked. It was one of the silver linings, I think, in terms of um, everything that's gone on in 2020. Um, you know, we understand baseball is a tradition bound game. Um, you know, our fans love the game the way it is. Um, we had to do certain things in 2020 in order to play the games and, and play them safely. Um, and I think the fact that people reacted positively to the change, put to one side the specifics and whether they're going to continue, just the positive reaction to the game being played in a little different way is a good thing for the sport over the long haul. Yeah, you know, so funny is the extra innings rule with putting the runner on second. All my old-time baseball guys were so against it, and it was so funny, Rob, that like halfway through, they're like, I actually really like this. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Well, I think the great thing about that rule, I, I think really the best thing about that rule is that it um, does kind of require the sort of strategic thinking and strategic play that baseball fans love. And I think that explains kind of the positive reaction. Even some of the most traditional people have had to the rule. Yeah. I couldn't believe we turned this many old schoolers and, 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 you know, I think that's one of the things and I talked to you about this last time at, the, at last year's wild card game is the fact that you're willing to change and you're willing to make decisions that what's best for the sport uh, what is that like for you as a commissioner where a lot of commissioners are afraid to make change? You're not afraid. Well, look, I love the game. I love the game the way it is, but I, I do think that um, no institution can just stay the same indefinitely. I think that in order to make sure that um, 
our game continues to be important, um, you know, an integral part of American culture, we have to consider thoughtful changes to the product to make sure the next generation loves the game the same way that we do. Um, you know, it's no wrap on anything that we do today. It's, it's no wrap on the way the game's been played um, uh, for, for a very long time, but small changes um, can help make the game better for um, future generations, I believe. You know, when I think about the postseason and when you put a lot of quality teams in and you get a tournament, obviously, if we look at the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, college basketball, college football, you put more teams in. It doesn't mean the the quality of the entertainment's going to be down. How happy have you been with, with the playoffs so far? I've been thrilled with the playoffs so, so far. I think the idea of, um, you know, having more teams when you don't have that full 162 game shakeout that we have in the normal year was the right idea. Um, I, I think the two out of three round, um, the wild card round was really exciting for our, for our fans. And, um, you know, I think that um, 2020 is going to be remembered as kind of a special postseason. You know, I say that with the one caveat, it really was the right format for a 60 game season. You know, I'm glad you said that because it really bothered me when some people in the media talked about, oh, this season should have an asterisk. I think of what everybody's been through. I think about the pandemic. I think about social injustice. I think about the A's and the Astros. All of a sudden, we were potentially dealing with a hurricane. I think about out here with the air quality in California because of the fires. I think of whoever is able to survive this. And whoever wins the World Series, this is going to be one of the toughest World Series team, not only physically, but mentally. What everybody has had to do, everybody, what everybody's had to deal with. I think whoever wins the World Series, this is going to be a special, very special World Series champion. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, put the competition on the field to one side. Obviously, we always have great competition on the field. It's tough to win a World Series. I think all of the surrounding events this year, um, the team that, that overcomes all those events uh, will be a very special World Series winner, in my view. What's it been like talking with the other leagues about how this, how, how just to finish your season and get this going? Because I, I know you've <coughs> talked with the NBA. Well, we've talked to all the other leagues, you know, the, the NHL, the NBA, um, and the NFL from the very beginning. Um, obviously, we're all facing a very unique set of challenges. Each sport's a little different. You have to have your own plan to deal with, um, you know, where you were in your calendar, how many games you want to play and, you know, what the facility situation's like. But I I think the back and forth between the leagues, um, really collegial and certainly from my perspective, really helpful in terms of learning um, what you need to do uh, to manage what has been a very unpredictable virus. You know, when I think about going forward, I mean, I, I know you got to have a plan, but but how do you foresee the off season going for this sport? Well, you know, look, uh, predictions about the future is a dangerous undertaking in 2020. Okay. I mean, I think the the I think the off season, pretty much like the season, is the virus is going to dictate what the off season looks like. Um, we're hopeful and we're planning for um, a return to more normal operations as we gear up for 2021. But again, um, no matter how much you plan, no matter how many contingencies you've thought through, it's, it's about the virus at the end of the day. 
You know, I just think, and let's end on this. I, I just think about what everybody has been through, these traveling parties, whether you're in the postseason or you're not in the postseason, just to get this in, because a lot of people, there was a lot of criticism. There was a lot of people who didn't believe it would matter. Just in the end, how proud are you of everybody, not only of your staff there in New York, but everybody in baseball, the fact that we got through this, we're going to get through this, and, and, and so many people are safe inside your sport, and that Major League Baseball made this happen in 2020. Yeah, I'm, I, I take a lot of satisfaction um, from the fact that the players, the clubs, the media, frankly, and, um, you know, obviously my staff in New York have done a phenomenal job, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm very grateful that we've gotten to this point and hope we can uh, finish it up and uh, crown a World Series champion. Well, thank you so much for the time. It's an absolute honor to have you on the program again. Be well, be safe, and uh, I can't wait to watch the rest of us, see how it plays out, and hopefully the A's, we can keep this thing going. All right, thank you. It's good to talk to you. We get him once a year, but every single time you get him, uh, it's a treat because he's the head guy, and he's right. The virus will dictate how this offseason will go. How about our guy Christopher Russo from MLB Network and Sirius XM? Always loving having the Mad Dog, the Radio Hall of Famer, on the program. Our next guest is an absolute legend. He's a Radio Hall of Famer. He's built an empire on Sirius XM. He's a host on MLB Network. High Heat, what a great baseball show. The legend Christopher Mad Dog Russo is with us again. And Mad Dog, boy, this is going to be a fun day because both these two series and both these teams do not like each other. 100%. Great to be on, as usual. Uh, yeah, I think the NL series, I think the Braves and the Dodgers are clear favorites. And you could see quick work. I know the Marlins pitching deserves respect, but Braves know them pretty well. But in the American League, it's very tricky to call. Um, you know, that Yankees series is impossible. Uh, I don't know where to go with that. I don't pay too much attention to the Tampa winning 8 of 10 regular year. Yankees were very rarely healthy in those games. Stanton and Judge barely played. And your series here with Houston, it's, it's tricky. Houston's got a little chip on their shoulder. Uh, I think that as I had Dusty Baker on TV Friday. He made a big deal about that. I think that helps them. Uh, and then the A's got a huge monkey off their back with that win uh, the other day against the White Sox. Finally won a postseason series. So that should help them. Very, I'd be shocked if you saw Fires. I don't think he's going to pitch him in this spot. Um, uh, Melvin, uh, I think it's a, you know, two, two very difficult series to call. I would lean probably A's and Yankees. Um, uh, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it went the other way. I mean, I, you could make the argument that Houston's success against the twins was more about the twins than it was the Astros. You can make that argument and maybe, you know, Minnesota's ineptitude in postseason play really was a difference there, so maybe that's why I'll take Oakland. The Yankees look great against Cleveland. They won both games uh, every which way. Good pitching, home runs in game one. Comeback, great at bats in game two. Uh, you know, and Tampa played an overmatched Toronto team. Very tough in the American League to pick. Very tough, Chris. Very tough. You know, when, when you think about a franchise that has like a black cloud hanging over its head or, or the boogeyman's hanging around and you just cannot win in the postseason. We've seen it with the Twins. Uh, the Indians don't have a great run. And obviously the A's, every single time we've been in the postseason, we've been talking about how bad we've been in elimination games and winner-take-all games. 
you've been covering professional sports for a long time and the mental side, everybody's got talent, but it's the mental side. And some of these A's players admitted to us here on A's cast live that they had been thinking about it. It had been something that stuck with them. What's it like when you finally get over that hump in sports and that dark cloud goes away? Uh, I mean, it, usually it, it, it's a help. I mean, you would think the A's have a little momentum. I mean, no matter what they do in this series, at least they won something for a change. Uh, and they had to work hard doing it. White Sox are competitive. They were down a game, down in game three, and they, you know, they showed some metal, which is what they have not shown in the last 20 years. Uh, but they did show it uh, the other day uh, and, concluding, and concluding that series. So you would think it means something. They do have a little, you know, I don't know about momentum because of the fact it's been such a while since they last played. But I do think that, uh, you know, they have a little juice, Oakland, and you would think they could carry a little pressures off them. They could be a little loosey-goosey, and that, you would think, should help them. Plus, Houston's pitching staff isn't that great, and, you know, Dusty doesn't trust that many people in the bullpen. And in this series, you got to figure that you're going to need that bullpen a lot because you're playing five straight games in a row. So, uh, you know, if it goes that far, uh, I, very hard. Uh, this series is, a, again, very tricky. I mean, Houston knowing how to, you know, knows, knows what they're doing in postseason play. I think they got a big, uh, you know, chip on their shoulder, which is nothing but an advantage. Um, you know, they got a lot of professional hitters. Uh, we all know that. Probably got, they got a much better lineup than Oakland does. I think the A's are more resourceful, deeper pitching staff. Very hard series. I mean, I wish I could. I'd lean to Oakland. I, I wouldn't love Oakland, but I'd lean to Oakland. Uh, and, again, that Yankee series is tough, too. These American League series are very difficult to predict, very difficult. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with the bullpen because Dusty Baker against the Twins, you know, in 18 innings, he got 16 and a third outs from his starters, starters who actually came in in relief. And in this series, you're not going to be able to do this. This is five straight games, no right. days off, no day, no traveling, no days off for television. And this series is kind of more, and, and I like it from the standpoint, and I want your opinion on it, this is more real baseball. 100%. We're used, we're used yeah. to playing every day, and you've got to use your entire depth. Yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, uh, it does help that way. You know, you usually have two days off in the best of five. I think that hurts the Yankees uh, in their Toronto series, in their Tampa series, because the Yankees don't have a third starter that's that reliable. Tampa does in Morton, and the Yankees' bullpen is not as deep as Tampa's. So I think that could be an issue for them in that series. And I think it could hurt the Astros here. I mean, we saw a good bullpen play out of them in that Minnesota series. I don't know if we saw a lot of them, but we saw a couple. I think the A's are a little deeper in the bullpen. That should help them a little bit. Um, you know, very, very tricky. Uh, I think the A's can definitely win. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I do think they can win. Uh, if, uh, but, uh, again, I don't want to be too optimistic. With Guriel and Bregman and Altuve, who had that big at bat with the walk uh, in, one, in game one uh, with the bases loaded, and with Correa, who had a big home run, Springer. They got a lot of guys who are gamers on that team, and I do think they would love nothing better to shut everybody up and, you know, if they go back to a World Series, you know, yeah, it's going to be hard to scream and yell too much about them cheating. Now, cheating doesn't, um, you know, by going back to the World Series doesn't uh, eliminate or erase cheating. They shouldn't have done it anyway. But it does put a little more credibility in their, in their run here uh, in Houston. Hard series. I mean, the A's got to score some runs, too. Uh, hard series. 
Uh, I don't want to see Henrik today in 50 pitches like I saw in game uh, number two. I, I don't want to see that. Uh, I would prefer that uh, Melvin, at least in his first game, got a little more wriggle room, best of five, best of three. So a little more wriggle room. I'd like to see Melvin handle this a little bit more conventionally in this first game. But, again, you got a chip on your shoulder, Astro team, and you would hope monkey off their back on Oakland's team. That's what makes this interesting. You know, the Athletics were 7-3 and three against the Astros during the regular season, outscored them 38-25, to 25, and the only games the Astros beat them were the shortened doubleheader games that were seven innings because Oakland really is so strong towards the end of games. And when you start thinking about this aspect, and, and what I've talked about on my show is our players – truly dislike their players. This isn't like a rivalry game that's Giants-Dodgers or Yankees-Red Sox or Cubs-Cardinals. Uh, this is truly the A's players feel like these guys stole something from them the past couple of years. So it's not a rivalry game, but it's a game where when the A's see the Astros, they, it's not about the uniform. It's not about the cities. It's those players they don't like. And that's I'm kind of happy that we're playing the Astros because that really is given the 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 A's players of they've they've grown up. Chris, it's really given them an edge. Well, again, first off, I don't make a big deal about the season series. Two of this matchups were in Oakland. Uh so you know, they only had the one series in Houston. So I don't make it big just like with the Yankees Tampa. Well, the Yankees Tampa's a little different because Tampa did play two series at Yankee Stadium. Uh the Tampa the Yankees scenario is they were injured. I know the A's think they got a little something to prove. Um, you know, the problem I have with the A's on that scenario, I mean, they lost two wild card playing games badly in both. So to sit there and blame that on Houston is a little weak. Uh, I mean, they got killed by Tampa. They got killed by the Yankees. And they're going to tell you, well, if we Astros didn't cheat, we could have won the division. I don't buy that myself. Um, yeah, you know, I know. See, to me, I look at the Astros' success independently from their cheating. They cheated, and which is horrendous, and it's morally wrong, and, you know, they should be shamed for that, but they didn't win because they cheated. Uh, you know, they won two games in L.A. They won, uh, you know, in a World Series in 17. Uh, they have won a total of three games at Yankee Stadium in the last four or five years. Last year, they won three games in D.C. So uh, the idea that Houston won a title and won another pennant because they cheated to do it. I don't buy that myself. Yeah, I mean, the Astros won a Game 7 in Dodger Stadium, and the Dodgers blew a save in Game 2 uh, when Jansen couldn't get me out, and Gonzalez hit that home run that basically went to San Diego. Uh, so uh, you got to keep that in mind when people say the Astros' success is due to cheating. I don't buy it. And the A's, the, the A's aren't good enough to start sitting there worrying about revenge. Well, we'll show you. You cheated. We're mad. Blah, blah, blah. Nonsense. The A's are not the They almost lost to the White Sox. And if Renneria had managed a little better in game three, they may have. So they got to be careful of using that as motivation. That's only going to fuel Houston. Uh, so, but, uh, but I do think it makes it intriguing. And I do agree that this series has a little life. And I do think that, uh, you know, um, uh, we sh I know this. I think this first game, like in all these series, is important. It wasn't for the A's against the White Sox here. I think you need to stem the Astro momentum. The Astros have a little momentum right now. Nice job against the Twins. Two close wins in target field against a good team, against a team that doesn't win anything, but uh, you know, at least uh, has had some regular season success. So I think the A's need to stop that immediately. You wouldn't want the Astros to win that first game, win three postseason games in a row, and then all of a sudden think this is 2017 again. So 
makes this first game important. Again, very hard series to call. I'll take the A's. I'll probably take them in five, but a tricky series to call. All right. We'll end on this, and I want your opinion on this. Billy Bean said yesterday, because they're talking about small ball, and small ball wins in the postseason. Bean said, I'm not buying it. Teams that hit more home runs than their opponents are a perfect 12-0 and across the board in the in the wild card series. So Bean is all about long ball, and I know David Force, the GM, has told us, because we do the GM show here on A's Cast Live, where he says, ball goes far, team goes far. How do you hear about, uh, how do you feel about it's all about the home run? Uh, I mean, listen, San Diego came from behind. I can't argue with him based on what we saw in a wild card round. Uh, you know, Padres against the Cardinals in game two, hit a million, hit five home runs in the last three innings. Uh, big home runs for the Marlins in Wrigley Field. Uh, you know, the Yankees did play small ball uh, in the ninth inning against Cleveland when they scored two runs, uh, walks, hits, and sack flies and all that. But for the most part, those two are right. I mean, I, I can't possibly argue with it. The A's got back in a game with the long ball there against the White Sox. So 100%. Uh, Correa hit a big home run uh, against Minnesota there on the other day in the seventh inning at 1-1. Um, so you can make an argument that he's accurate too. I, you know, that was the only homer I believe they hit in that series. Um, but that was a big one. So I, I think there's some, I think there's some truth to that. So uh, he hits the ball out of the ballpark has an advantage. Although I tell you though, uh, you know, the twins couldn't build any runs late in the Houston series. They were swinging for the fences, couldn't score in the late innings. Cubs swinging for the fences, couldn't score late innings. Reds, one of the worst situational teams in the history of mankind, uh, didn't score in 22 innings. They were a home run hitting team. Couldn't build a run if their life depended on it. So you can go the other way too, but that statistic doesn't lie. If they want to make a big deal about home run with any A's, better hit some. I, I got as simple as that. <laughs> A's better hit some. This is a very competitive series. You know, there's not a dominating pitcher either in this series. The A's don't have a dominating pitcher. Houston doesn't either. No Cole, no Verlander. Cranky and McCullers are not dominating. I don't even think there's a dominating reliever. So you got a series here that has not not a dominating component on the mound, which also makes it interesting. Well, you know how much Cody and I respect you and your career and everything you've done and and uh, building up Sirius XM and Channel 82. Of course, watching you every day on High Heat, you're the best, and it always means a lot for you to come on our program. It makes it a much better program. So thank you so much. We'll be watching. Hopefully, we can talk to you soon. Good boy, gentlemen. Go A's. Well done. And we switch from one MLB Network personality to another. Everybody loves Matt Vaskirgen. He's an A's fan. He reps the A's there at the network and also for ESPN calling play-by-play during the postseason. Here is Matty V. Matt Vaskirgen, friend of the program. Matt, how you doing? It's Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. Chris, how you doing, man? We, we, are, we are doing well. Uh, everything good with you? Well, it'll be better if we can even up the series today. Yeah, yesterday was a rough look. It's like, you know, here you go. You, you think you exercise the playoff demons that you've had. You get past a very, very tough White Sox team. That was a battle. And here you're saying, man, can't wait to get after the Astros. And next thing you know, the Astros big boys all come to play. And yeah, you know, yeah. weren't yep. great. I mean, that, that, that was a rough one to watch. I know, I know, man. It's I was so encouraged after the early lead, and then, and I even even after they even after they, you know, got the bass, that I was like, all right, their bullpen sucks. We're good here, and they 
you know, they pulled one out of their rear end. It's not going to happen again. You know, we had Robbie Grossman on earlier from Dodger Stadium. And you know what's so great about baseball players is us in the media, especially what we do uh, with a talk show, is we flip out over every every loss. We overplay every win. The fact that these guys really are able to go game by game and be that professional and be able to leave yesterday at yesterday and take care of today today really tells you mentally why the A's have been good and why this team still has a shot with, with it's now a four game series. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's well said. It's that's why they do what they do. And we do what we do. We sit here and kvetch about every pitch. And <laughs> meanwhile, moving on to the next narrative all the time. I know, I know, you know, you know, the guy that is um, the guy that's dangerous right now for me is Correa. I'm a, I actually am afraid of him as an ace fan right now because he is crazy locked on and motivated and the chip on his shoulder is, is sizable. Uh, and he's channeled all that into probably being at his best right now after a couple down years. I mean, he, after he struck out in the first inning or his first plate appearance yesterday, I think he was, yeah, second inning he came to the plate. It was a, uh, it was a high slider. And he, he, he had that look on his face. It sounds like ridiculous nonsense that I'm saying here, but I'm watching and I'm like, oh, man, he knows he should have done damage there. And he kind of looked at Bassett like, yeah, it's not going to happen again. So what happens in his second at-bat? He comes up there. He doesn't get a slider. He gets kind of a lame cutter up and away, same kind of location, itch, ish, but not as sharp, and he hits it out. And then the one he hit against Trevino, was a that was a – that was a good pitch, man. That was a four seamer down and in that he got to. So it's not like he's just locked onto one location. He is, he is on right now. And he's the guy that I'm the most afraid of in a lineup full of guys that, you know, strike fear into your heart right now. He's the hottest bat. Somebody on their team had to step up and say enough's enough. And we're going to fight back. And they're very lucky because I think they would have been torched if they would have been in front of fans for for 81 games. And I, I think they would have really, really struggled because they struggled with cardboard cutouts, let alone having fans screaming at them every game. But it is what it is. And at some point, you know, somebody had to step up and say enough. We're going to fight back. And I think under kind of his leadership, when he normally isn't the leader, you know, last year with the massage getting hurt and all that kind of stuff. It's like Correa now has set the tone for him. Enough's enough. We're going to fight back. Yeah, he kind of – and in fact, like, he's he's so defiant that he's, he's I, I think, risking uh, running afoul of the non-Astros media fan out there. You know, I mean, A's fans, Dodgers fans um, – never going to come around to liking the guy because he's good and that's a compliment but you know you can't go contesting the rest of the world with this massive chip on your shoulder all the time he's approaching a free agent year he's the of all these shortstops that are going to be on the market after next year Baez, story uh it's a decorated group he's the youngest of them and, you know, if I'm him, I'm just going out there and playing all the time and being as great as he is. And, and you can keep the rhetoric toned down now. Uh, but every time they win a series, you can't have the Astros going, hey, look at us now, huh? You said we couldn't win if we didn't have the signs. Well, what do you think of us now? You can't do that. Just just win. That's all. Just go out and play. That's my nickel advice for Carlos Correa. Not that anybody asks. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, if you were his agent, it's uh, it's very good advice. And the thing for me, which I've been saying, is you know, the A's. We've been talking about you know eight straight times dating back to 2006. They have lost Game One of a series, whether it's an actual series or a wild card game. And that's just not the way to handle series. And one of the problems has been hitting with runners in scoring position. Matt, at some point, if you're going to win in the postseason, like what we saw with the Yankees yesterday, like what we saw with the Astros, your big boys got to step up and play big. Yeah, and you know, it's 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 really a it's kind of a global problem too, Chris. I mean, we had uh, at ESPN, we had that dreadful Reds Braves series where the Reds were shut out in back-to-back games and didn't score a run in 22 innings. And if you if you look even worse than not scoring a run in 22 innings, then the Reds figured out a way to do that. I mean, they had opportunities in that first game, first and second, nobody out in extra innings. Bases loaded, one out. Bases loaded, two out. And nobody can come through because the way the game is being taught and the way the game is being played in fly ball revolution, and that's what we're in the midst of, is that there's no reward for contact. There's no reward contractually, big picture, because you get paid for homers. And there's no reward in the short term as far as the game at the micro level because of the shift. You made hard contact on the ground, and you're probably not going to be rewarded because there's going to be a guy there. So what's lost is the station-to-station game, athletes being athletes, first to third, scoring from first on a ball in the gap. All that's gone because the, the, the bat-on-ball part of our game, which is at its very fundamental level what it's based around, has disappeared. It's homer, strikeout, and walk. I mean – that's the way the A's have been built the last number of years. And that's why a guy like DJ LeMahieu is so uber valuable to a, a feast or famine Yankee lineup. Uh, you know, the look, the A's have guys that can certainly hit. I'm not saying they're all strikeout artists, but they're, they're good when they walk. In fact, I was texting your colleague Vince Catronio yesterday. Uh, Vince and I go way back, and he usually takes my temperature because we're friends, and he knows that I get a little nervous. Uh, in, in advance of A's postseason games. So the text he sent me was, how you feeling? And I said, good. And he said, um, let's see, the A's are 30 and five with at least four walks this year. And I sent him a text back like, this is supposed to make me feel good? This nonsense about walks? <laughs> what, are you, what are you pushing on me, Vince? But, uh, you know, look, the Astros' bullpen's not that great, and they, they were okay yesterday. And, that you know, the, the walk dialogue, the walk narrative really didn't surface yesterday. But, again, I got sidetracked. The big picture here is bat on ball, uh, hitting for average. It's not valued anymore. So what you get is a lot of the garbage that we watch now when nobody can come through with a base hit with the runner on. Yeah, it, it, the numbers are alarming. But I'll tell you, a guy that – uh, I don't know if he's back, but I've liked what I've seen lately. Your impressions of seeing Chris Davis not only leave the yard, but actually getting a base hit too and being productive again. Yeah, man. I, I know that yesterday because I had the, uh, I was listening to your broadcast yesterday with the pictures on. Um, and and I, by the way, I don't take offense to people that do that to me. I know plenty of people do, you know, when the when they quote unquote national broadcasters come in. 
and invariably they know less about the product than the local guys who become your friends because you listen to them every day. They're in your living room and a part of your life. Um, you know, you listen to what you want. So I had you guys on yesterday and I know that uh, Ray made the point to Ken and Vinny that Bob Melvin knows his personnel better than anybody and that he had a feeling the matchup was going to be good for Chris despite a really rough year and a half for him. And if that's the Chris Davis that they have moving forward, their lineup is complete. He is the most important guy in there. And if he's that guy, uh, I, I have no doubts that they can get past the Astros and get to an ALCS because when, when he's right, as we saw yesterday, to the opposite field for power, always a threat, especially with runners on. And that's exactly what the A's have needed the last couple of years. Look, they, they might not lose to the Rays in the wild card game last year if Chris Davis was Chris Davis. Same year before against the Yankees. Um, I don't know. There's a lot There's a lot of levels there where things could, could be better and different, but it's it starts with Chris. He's that good and he's that important when he's right. And you could say for the A's or the Rays, you know, we already know the percentage – you know, whoever wins game one wins 72% of the time. If you then go on to win game two and you're making the opposition have to sweep you three straight, which is so tough to do, especially now we're dealing with these neutral ballparks. I, I got to say for the A's and the Rays, I, I, I know it's not must win until it's an elimination game, but to me today for the A's and the Rays, this is must win. Agreed. I mean, absolutely right. I think um... – you know, the, the thing where I don't really put as much stock in the past percentages, and you're right about that number, when you win game one, better than 70% chance you're going to win the series based on the past in a five-gamer. But there's no travel day. There's no change of venue day, uh, which means you have to play the five all the way through. And it changes managerial strategy to a great, to a great extent especially for a team like the Astros who are really having to cobble together unusual formulas to get 27 outs. They don't trust their entire bullpen the way the A's do. So when you have to take starters and move them into bulk guys and you're trying to minimize appearances of guys that you think might be weak spots or liabilities, it's harder to do that without the day off in between, uh, in between games uh, what would it be, two and three, and then the other day off, right? So you're missing days off here playing five in a row, and I think that that benefits the A's because they're a deeper pitching staff. So that, that's another reason why the 0-1 deficit isn't as alarming as it ordinarily would be for, for an A's fan, for me and so for you. what do you got going right now? I, I believe you're going to end up being in the Texas bubble. Yeah, I'm in it. I'm in the bubble. I'm here. Um, not supposed to, we're not supposed to, um, sit in the lobby with anybody. We're not supposed to sit around. You can come and go from your hotel room. As long as you are masked up and moving, you're not supposed to sit and have a cup of coffee, even if you're by yourself, which I find a little extreme, but Hey man, I want to play by the rules because I don't want to be the guy that breaks the protocol. Um, so we're here we're, we have game two of the, uh, the Braves-Marlin series tomorrow afternoon. Then we get on a bus and we drive to Arlington and we have game three of the Padres-Dodgers series in Arlington the next night. So it's kind of an interesting little, you know, 24-hour tour of two division series games. We, 
MLB Network buys a couple games back from Fox every year in their division series coverage. So we get two and, you know, they're unusual circumstances, but it, it's going to be fun. No, thank God, because I, I got to tell you, uh, whenever I hear our game's going to be on TBS, I think of like Gilligan's Island or the Brady Bunch. I'm like, baseball on TBS? Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> they, they do a good job. I mean, all, look, all the rights holders are up against it because and it, it's almost what I compare it to, Chris, is when you come in doing an NFL package and you're kind of parachuting into town. And you, you might have had, I don't know, Redskins, Vikings the week before. And now you're coming to San Francisco and you're doing Rams 49ers. And the fan base knows more about that game than you do because they've been on that team all year. And you're coming in just kind of learning it in six days. And that's what I would, I would kind of equate covering postseason baseball to for some people. Uh, I, you know, I complain about having to do uh, a lot of studio work sometimes, but it keeps me in it. It keeps me watching the entire league. It's hard when you're just kind of coming in and trying to learn it uh, in a, in a kind of a book sense and then, and then be conversant on it on TV. Uh, it, it's, it's not easy to do that, but their guys are good. They, all the TBS broadcasters are good and, and we all, you know, we all do the best we can. I, I got to say, three of these matchups, I mean, when you start looking at A's, Astros, Yankees, Rays, Padres, Dodgers, I'm not so sure about Marlins, Braves, but these other three, they're so interesting because these teams really don't like each other. They personally, it's not about it's not about rivalries. It's, it's not Yankees, Red Sox, or Cardinals, Cubs, or Giants, Dodgers. It's actually the people in the uniforms don't like the guys in the other dugouts. I kind of find that fascinating. How about you? Yeah, yeah, I do too. And by the way, there's there's plenty of that in the Braves Marlins series based on two players, Jose Urania, who was not healthy to play because he took a comebacker on his final start in the regular season, and Ronald Acuna. Remember, yeah. he dusted Ronald Acuna last year a couple times. Once it was pretty bad, and then he came in there and went in there and tried to get him again at the end of the season and people were just incredible. I was amazed that he went and did it twice to the guy. I don't know what kind of story there is personally with them or if they knew each other previously, but uh, yeah, there's a little bit of bad blood there. The thing with the Marlins is they, they just aren't supposed to be here. Right. So it's hard. I, I think it makes it hard for an opponent because they got nothing to lose, man. The Marlins are playing with house money. I mean, my goodness, they had to replace 18 players the, in the first weeks of the season because of a COVID pandemic. And, I mean, I, I don't even think Don Mattingly knew who half the guys were on the field for for him, let alone the fans. So the, uh, the Braves, on paper, look like they have a huge advantage because that lineup is loaded. But, again, I think the Marlins are a live dog here. I, I don't give them a huge, a huge chance, but I do give them a chance to beat uh, Atlanta this week. Yeah, it's not always good when uh, you're Donnie Baseball and you have to pull out the media guide to manage. That's not always a good <laughs> But, uh, hey, we always appreciate having you on. Uh, let's just uh, – we got to keep the faith. Got to And today is a big one. And Sean Mania, as, as I've been saying, the, the, the stars or the top players for the A's, they got to play big today, and it starts with Sean Mania. You, you got to keep Correa off the plate. You got to, I mean, you got to move him, make him move his feet, 
don't let him extend his arms. Don't think he's going to chase sliders anymore because he's too locked in. You got to bust him in. That's my call right now, Chris. Bust him in, and I'll be watching. I hope it happens. The key to the game. I love it. Be well, be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, man. Good talking to you. And we'll end with our friend of the program. Nobody better when you talk about writing, podcasts, you name it. Buster only from ESPN. And also Sunday Night Baseball with Matt Vaskersian. Here is Buster. And now joining us as we talk about it all the time, we reference the great podcast, Baseball Tonight. And he's one of the top columnists for ESPN.com and one of the great voices of baseball. Also, Sunday Night Baseball, part of the broadcast. Buster Olney's with us. Buster, how are you? It's been a while. Uh <laughs> It, uh, I'm doing great. Looking forward to this baseball. Uh, you know, I mean, I love the fact that uh, in every series, the teams are going to be right on edge. Someone potentially being eliminated. And, you know, in, in the Oakland and Astros series, what I absolutely love is it feels like it's about round 10 of a 15-round battle between heavyweights. They're exhausted. They're kind of leaning on each other, and they're still throwing haymakers. I got to tell you, Buster, after the White Sox series and now this series, I can't tell you how many times I've had knots in my stomach. It's hard to watch. You know, I keep score for every game. It's tough not to be pacing. My kids are now pacing. I mean, it's just it's so intense that you don't even notice fans are not there. And how crazy is that? Yeah, well, and that's the thing that you definitely have noticed uh, since the the playoffs started that. You know, there's no question that during the regular season, the players miss the fans. But now that you've got something on the line in these games, and every moment so meaningful, uh, that doesn't matter. I'm sure you got a chance to see some of that Padres and Dodger game last night with those guys going at it. It's the same way. It's funny you mentioned about you pacing. I actually, you know, that game uh, was so tense yesterday. When Tinder hit the home run, I was actually on a, on a six-mile walk. You know what? I, I just... It's easier for me to absorb and listen to it on the radio. <laughs> oh, I know. It's uh, it's a lot. All these games have been a lot of fun. And, you know, when I think about today for the A's, and, and it's an elimination game in all four games today, you know, it's either win or you go home. Uh, when you think about Zach Greinke and just how bizarre this has been, uh, the way Dusty Baker's talked about him, supposedly saw a doctor. We weren't sure he was going to be able to go today. Now he can go. Uh, what do you think Zach Grinke has left right now in 2020? Well, he, he probably, I mean, I think it's pretty fair to say he's not going to be close to 100% physically, but he's an incredibly smart guy. Uh, and the way that he pitches in the postseason, and he always has, and some of his Dodger teammates, former Dodger teammates, used to talk about this. You get into a postseason game, and even when he's 100% right, he's going to nibble, nibble, nibble. And that's probably what we're going to see today. You're going to see, you know, 88-mile-per-hour fastballs some cutters. He's going to throw that curveball. And the great challenge, and I'm sure it'll be talked about among the uh, ace hitters, just be disciplined. Wait him out. Uh, and, and, you know, from, the, from Oakland's perspective, um, you know, let him build his pitch count because he will do that, especially in the postseason. Force him to throw, you know, 25, 30 pitches in an inning early on. I really would be shocked if he saw the sixth inning today. Um, you know, based on the circumstances, uh, you know, based on how he's pitched so far in this postseason. 
And yesterday, finally, that was the script we had been talking about going into the series is you got to get to this inexperienced bullpen. Finally, we saw that. So if you're Dusty Baker, how do you try and get 27 outs against this A's team? I I think I think that it's going to be this way in a lot of this series. We're at the point now, and I personally love the idea of playing these games on consecutive days and not having the travel days, not being able to rest bullpens. Um, you know, use Mero Petit may not like that. <laughs> you know, having pitched three straight days, but I do think that there's you know this is the type of situation where um, the managers like Dusty are going to have to rely on guys that they don't typically rely on. It's funny, just before I called you, I got a text from a manager with another team who said, hey, who, who's the first guy in after Granky? Because he knows, like, he, that, that, you know, it's the same question you had. I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know how they're going to structure it. I know Brent Strom, their pitching coach, well enough to know, you know, how adept he is, that he is going to have a plan and Dusty will have a plan. But days like today, when you got to rely on the back end of these pitching staffs, you just, don't know you might get two scoreless innings or you might have a guy standing out there as we saw in the with the White Sox and the way they melted down in the final game of the, the series against the athletics you might have a situation where the manager's scrambling around looking for anybody who can throw strikes the, the the game of baseball right now it's crazy we just had your buddy Paul Himbakitis on Himbo by the way Himbo wanted me to ask you uh, how big a partier he is <laughs> uh, well, according to Mike Greenberg, uh, he is a big partier and and, and, the, and the inspiration to Greeny now that he has to live vicariously through him as an old man. <laughs> well, he just had the stat for us that we're homering at the rate of Willie McCovey and pitchers yeah. are striking out hitters at the rate of Roger Clemens. That's crazy. It is crazy, and I think over the course of a regular season, it's not sustainable. Uh, I know there are people around the sport. Uh, I mean, I, I, I really believe this. We're starting to see the pendulum begin to swing back the other way in terms of sentiment within the game where, um, you know, folks are beginning to say for pure entertainment value over the regular season, this is not what we want. But in these short series <laughs> – <laughs> you know, it's certainly entertaining with the way these games are playing out with big swings like we got from Pender. Yeah, it's uh, any ball that goes in the air. I remember growing up at Dodger Stadium was a pitcher's ballpark. Uh, now any ball that goes in the air in this series, the ball is flying out. And then you go down to Petco, and what a battle this has been and a lot of criticism about game two and the New York Yankees and the Rays got a chance to knock out the Bronx Bombers today. And I tell you what, uh, if, in fact, the Yankees get knocked out, then all winter and then next spring training and then during the course of next season and, and going into the playoffs, because the Yankees are always going to be loaded and probably make the playoffs, Aaron Boone's going to have to answer questions about that decision to start Davey Garcia in game two and then bring in Jay Happ after just one inning. Um, I, you know, I live here in New York, and I, you know, see the criticism, read it, hear it, no one can understand why they did what they did. Now, um, you know, a couple of managers texted me and said that the unfortunate thing is Booney has to be the one to answer for it because you know that that's a collaborative decision within the organization. But it's a head scratcher because you couldn't really see a clear statistical, uh, you know, a matchup advantage that was going to be gleaned by that decision. And, and now, and I always used to joke, 
with Bruce Bochy, who I covered uh, with the Padres at the time that he became a manager. When uh, the Giants were going through those championship runs, uh, I'd go up to Bochy and say, Bochy, I'm trying to keep track. Are you a genius or an idiot today? I mean, every day I'd go up to him because, let's face it, in the postseason, everything is viewed through the prism of the results. And it worked out badly for the Yankees, and it'll haunt them over the winter if they get knocked out by Tampa Bay, which is a really good team. You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought a, brought that up about the effort. And I always like to go back to the Golden State Warriors because I think a, a lot of people understand that here in the Bay Area when they were winning championships. It was about Steve Kerr, Bob Myers, the entire front office. You know, for some reason, baseball fans want to still believe it's Sparky Anderson, Earl Weaver, Tommy Lasorda, the manager makes all the decisions. And that's just not the case, not with any franchise. It is about the manager and the front office, they all work together. If you could explain that for my audience, that it's just not one manager pulling all the strings. You know, and it's very interesting because one of the teams that was absolutely at the forefront of that in terms of the input of the front office actually was, you know, were the athletics. Um, you know, the perception was is that, uh, you know, Bob Melvin, um, part of his excellence as a manager is that he was really good at working collaboratively with the front office, you know, taking their ideas, uh, implementing it, uh, implementing some of them, you know, using the matchup during the course of the game. I, I don't think that the, the idea that these are comp- all dictated from front office is completely right. I do think the managers have to, some discretion. I remember Terry Francona, who has a similar situation with the Indians, telling me, you know, a lot of times these guys bring ideas down to me and I'll tell them, you know what, give me a couple weeks. I'll work on that. I got to talk to the players. I got to put some some wheels in motion. But a decision like that the other day, I'm sure for the Yankees, it may have been raised by someone in their front office, maybe you know in their pitching group as a possible advantage, and then it was absorbed. And then Aaron Boone talks about it with the staff, and Brian Cashman talks about it with Aaron Boone, and they all decide together. It's not just the manager. You're exactly right. The days of the field general for managers. Those are long gone. And I know some people criticized the playoff format because we got all these all these teams playing somebody in your own division. But since everybody knows each other so well, I mean, basically you got four series where nobody likes each other. I kind of like it. I love it. It was the coolest thing going into this division series that you had all this recent history of uh, of anger uh, and, you know, bad blood between the teams. And, you know, in the first days when they do the, the pre-series interviews, everyone downplays it, but it's there. Um, for example, you know, I heard that, um, and, and I don't know if you guys have talked about this, or if you've heard it, I've heard that the Astros players, because they're staying in the same hotel as the athletics players, they bumped into Mike Fires at some point. And I don't, it wasn't anything physical, but I don't think there were a lot of warm words spoken. I think it basically was a, a lot of stares going on. You know, that's part of the history going on here. I think that's pretty cool. Oh, I absolutely love it. Well, let me tell you something. We bring on Hembo. We bring on Sarah Langs. We talk about your podcast all the time. It's the best in the business. I always appreciate your time. It really is uh, big for our show. Thank you so much. Enjoy the playoffs, and let's talk soon. You too. And uh, for, for your sake, fingers crossed for the A's. Well, we'd like to thank the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred, Christopher Russo from MLB Network, uh, also Matt Vaskersian from MLB Network and ESPN, and Buster Olney from ESPN. Now back to A's cast, powered by iHeartRadio. 
This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.